Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Needs Don Draper is Jazz Berry, Senior B2B Marketing Manager at Deliveroo for Work, which describes itself as a creative food solution for every area of your business. Jazz loves engaging with the amazing marketing she receives and applying it to her own markets, as we will find out. So Jazz Berry, welcome to the show. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Well, first off then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? So I think for me, marketing is about the kind of uh, combination of creativity and scientificness. And um, I think for a long time, B2B has really focused on being scientific, data-driven, and pretty boring, to be completely honest. Mm. So I think what Don Draper brings um, for all his faults is a real kind of like selling people the end result, selling people the dream. And I think that's something we never do in marketing because we're too focused in B2B marketing, sorry, because we're too focused on selling people the sort of products benefits, which is just really, really dull. So um, I try and bring a little bit of storytelling and bringing the sort of end result to life in my work. Absolutely. Well, we can deliver the dream and the storytelling together and and dig into that a little bit as we go. Many people listening to this will be familiar with the consumer side of Deliveroo, but maybe less familiar with the B2B side. Can you give us an idea of the size and scale of that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we operate in 10 markets, um, which is similar to the core side. We have over 20,000 corporate clients now. um, So we're serving kind of an estimated 4 million employees we kind of attract like really big companies. So some of our, our clients are Slack and TikTok um, and they use us because we make sort of really big corporate food spend orders much easier. So yeah, but we are growing fast as well. And which businesses would be the best fit for you? And then how do you target them? Yeah. So, I mean, any complicated business, because usually it's not just, you're not just trying to organize a workshop lunch or a Christmas party, you're trying to organize food perks. So uh, in the case of delivery, we actually have a, a really nice perk, which is we get a free lunch on the second Friday of every month. And each individual person at delivery will get a company allowance on their delivery app when, when they order their lunch. Uh, so they don't actually pay anything for it. And that's one of the products that we offer um, onto some of our clients who've got 20,000 employees. So We tend to have a lot of larger clients who have got quite complex needs, but we can also deliver anything from a one-off event to um, really huge events like an IPO or things like that. So there is such a thing as a free lunch after all. Exactly. I mean, it will cost you your working week, but of course, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what parts of the B2B proposition do you spend most of your time on? So I think uh, at the moment, it's probably brand awareness. I rebranded Delivery for Work last year in September. So we've had a little bit of a way to go in terms of brand awareness and building that kind of back up again. Also, we are kind of 
battling against the the core consumer delivery proposition, which a lot of people really understand very clearly. So getting the education there to to sort of let them know that we can cater for much bigger events. That's that's a big part of my job at the moment. And then what are you doing to raise the profile of the brand across those different markets? So I work with each market on quite a bespoke basis. I think um, our markets really vary. So we're in the UAE, um, France, Italy, Hong Kong, Singapore, amongst others. Uh, So the working cultures are really, really different in all of those different markets. So working on quite a tailored approach is something that I do with all of the markets. Each market has got very different pain points. So some it will be brand awareness, some it will just be about understanding the breadth of the product. So delivering initiatives that are quite personalised to each of those is how I like to work. And we're doing some really exciting things this year, some of our first in-person events and activations in some markets. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And you mentioned that sometimes it's a bit of a battle against the consumer brand to to get your message across. How how easy is it to communicate the B2B side? So when I was actually interviewing for the role and I hadn't um, got it yet, I sort of was quite surprised I hadn't heard of delivery for work and what they were doing because at the time I was working in consulting and it was really um, very applicable to to what we needed as an organisation. And I think taking one step back as a consumer what you think of when you think of Deliveroo is one rider delivering one meal on one bike to one or maybe two other people on the other end and a little bit of a jump to get to um, actually we can cater a huge event and you're not going to have 50 riders turn up individually with different parts of your order we can facilitate vans um, we can actually organize events end to end we can include entertainment in those events like singers and um, bands and you know giant cocktail master classes so I think communicating uh that is is a big challenge and it's something that i'm sort of overcoming right now um through a lot of brand awareness um, and product comprehension and things like that but i think delivery again so it's a blessing and a curse because we've got the amazing brand awareness but maybe for the sort of wrong thing that i'm trying to work with with at the moment however delivery as a consumer i don't know about you but through lockdown delivery was probably um looking forward to a delivery every week was probably one of the highlights everybody's best friend yeah absolutely definitely so um and 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 that kind of like service that we get through delivery really does translate to delivery for work you get the same kind of great service just on a much bigger scale so yeah there's some challenges to overcome but also we're in a great position brand wise and you said you're rebranding the b2b proposition at the moment What's your framework for thinking about how to do that? Uh, You've already successfully rebranded a B2B business in your last role. So just tell us a little bit about your strategy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, So my first thing that I did for both rebrands is go back to basics and start with a really simple mission statement. Um, That can be as as reductive as as one sentence of what your business does or what you're trying to achieve as as a business. It can be a much longer kind of manifesto document. But go back to basics, start with that, and then make sure that you're staying true to that end goal or or communication target throughout the whole rebrand. Also, 
pull in your existing clients up front um, make sure that they are part of the process. They know your product inside out. They are a goldmine of information, what's working, what doesn't. Uh, and so really utilize them. It also helps with keeping them in the business as well and making sure that they don't feel alienated by the new brand. The second thing that I would recommend is absolutely do not rebrand for the sake of it. Have in mind that problem that you're trying to solve. Um, the brand building after the fact is tough. So I would not do it lightly, but instead, yeah, have in mind the problems you want to solve and, and actually try and solve them. And then, I mean, the last one kind of goes out saying, but for me, it was just testing and learning all over again. You may have got a formula that works really well for your existing brand, but there's obviously a good reason why you are rebranding. So you've got to have embracing testing and learning again um, and try and incorporate kind of that emotional sort of end state that you want to communicate to your customer. Inco incorporating that throughout the beginning of the rebrand will, will pay dividends when you go to launch creatives and campaigns down the road. You mentioned there's a risk sometimes of alienating your core audience. What do you do to make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah, so you and I as human beings are ever-changing. Right? Our kind of world perception is changing all the time. It's a part of life, and I think the customer is used to that. Um, and, and so your business will inevitably evolve over time. I would emphasize communication from the outset so using your top customers as I mentioned as kind of a little bit of a fountain of knowledge about your product and what's working and you know they'll also be marketed to by competitors so they're a really good person to kind of leverage um involving them from the outset and then once you are ready to go live um with the rebrands that I've done I've always communicated the changes to our core customers or our existing customers um, before they've gone live to the public. So I think that's that's something that a couple of customers reached out and mentioned that they really appreciated being involved in. Um, so that would be one sort of top tip that I would recommend. And, and just communicating exactly why you are changing things. They may not see any reason why it needs to change, but communicating that again, making sure that there is a solid reason and that, you know, there may be even a better product at the end of this uh, and just make the it clear that they're, you're really open to feedback, um, be genuine, and authentic and you know acknowledge that there may be things that might not work and that you would really appreciate their feedback I think people appreciate that that's an interesting approach being so transparent it sounds like a a lot of effort all that communication as well I suppose so. Um, I mean, a courtesy email the day before you go live with a campaign, um, I don't think is a huge amount of effort personally. And I think it's nice as well when you can go and say, uh, hey, we're, la we're launching something in beta. Do you want to try it? And you you know that you're going to get that really useful feedback. It's um, it's a really good source of, of truth. And which parts of Deliveroo's consumer side do you need to keep when building the B2B brand? And what parts can you leave behind? This is this is a tricky question, I think, because obviously we speak to restaurants um as well and, and grocery partners because they are also on the delivery for work platform, um, although sometimes we have slightly different ones. So typically we speak with kind of food and beverage budget holders. Uh, but obviously the end user of delivery for work is just like you and I, just people using the delivery app. So it's almost core comms um, or consumer comms should the B2B audience be in rather than the, the consumer being in the B2B comms, if you see what I mean. 
Absolutely. And how far are you allowed to move away from the consumer brand? Uh, can you, you change tone of voice, color messaging? How far can you go? Yeah, so uh, we did change our color palette. So the sort of core brand is that bright teal that you see everywhere. Um, and I love the color, but we, we did actually sort of test some ads uh, and some marketing in the same kind of brand colors. And we were getting a lot of confusion from customers rightly so, because we looked very similar to the consumer brand. So we shifted and we chose to go down a slightly more sort of neutral colour palette. So we've gone for a navy blue with accents of bright coral um, to still keep it kind of on brand and quite fun. And we've got a fantastic internal studio team. So they know the consumer brand really, really well and were able to marry the two together quite nicely. Um, So now we do definitely look different. We have our own brand identity, look and feel. We have our own sort of logo um, and new name and new website. But we obviously are a part of the core consumer brand. So we do look sort of complementary, but not conflicting. And how long did it take to get it down to those colours? Because we're painting our walls here at the moment and it's a never ending argument. So you've, you've got a nice palette in the end, but how long did it take? Yeah, I mean... My decorating is not as good as my decision-making at work with (laughs) brand colours, I'll tell you that. Um, I think it took, I mean, we did the rebranding for quite record time, not going to lie, it was about six months from start to finish. So we made the decisions all very, very quickly. And the reason why we pushed it through that quickly was because uh, obviously offices started reopening and it was just the perfect time really for us to launch our new brand. So um, yeah, we did move at quite a pace there. So let me ask you this then, is it easier for delivery for work to do more emotive messaging than other B2B brands because you have that consumer heritage? This is an interesting question. I hadn't thought about it in that way. And I think in some ways, yes, because we, you know, naturally a lot of people know the delivery personality, the sort of food we get it, strap line is quite uh, prevalent and all the beautiful adverts that the creative team make um, that make you really hungry. (laughs) So I think in some ways, yes. However, in some ways, I would also say no, because we have that personality as a consumer brand. Sometimes I suppose people may be hesitant, think that we are not able to offer a a more corporate offering. Um, So I think finding that balance is probably the the key thing that I am trying to find at the moment um, and, and succeeding, I would say. I think a lot of our messaging is around bringing people together um, and that's not dissimilar to the core uh, brand either. So we're just trying to do that via um, work but and, and through food rather than through food in, in a purely, purely social setting. Now, great creative can improve effectiveness by 20 to 50% according to Ehrenberg Bass. What role does creativity play in your B2B strategy? So in our new rebrand that we did, we decided to get the kind of emotional element of food and what that affords businesses and people and humans, you know, humans interacting with other humans at work. We wanted to encapsulate that human element um, in our 
images that we chose to to get done for through the photo shoot. So, for example, you'll see if you browse our website where we've got images of someone enjoying a delicious ramen. But when you look a bit closer, you see actually they've ordered it on delivery. They've decanted it into their nice dish because they're working at home. There's splashes of broth all over the countertop. Uh, There's a squeezed lime on the side. It is realistic um, and you can see them really tucking into it and enjoying it and then you can see in another image where we've got someone proudly holding up their delicious um, yogurt cup at the breakfast buffet that the office have put on with loads of people collaborating around it so you can really see not only the creativity of the images with like gorgeous bright colors lovely food people kind of chatting and interesting images but also humanizing that kind of experience um and we found those creatives are yeah they're resonating really nicely with our audience at the moment so um yeah i think there's there's always room to be more creative and going forward sort of this year and next year there's a lot i want to do in video content and more kind of creative assets so yeah watch this space we will be. Um, and where do you stand on customer loyalty? How important is that to the way you think about growing the brand? So earlier when I was talking about uh, over communicating with your customer when you're rebranding, I think that really sums up how I feel about customer loyalty. It's it's hugely important to to me um, and to, to all of us at Delivery for Work. I think that we are really lucky. We do have quite good customer loyalty at the moment. Um, a lot of marketers I, I know are focused on purely acquisition and just getting new customers. I would say I'm pretty much equally focused on acquiring and retaining customers. Not only is it sort of better on the bottom line to um, to keep your existing customers, but they know your products so, so well, so you can leverage them you can try out new parts of the product on them. You can do anything really um, with them. So I think having that kind of core base is really important and then building on it, but not compromising on on how good the product is that you, you keep everyone there. And we know that advertising also works to reassure those existing customers, as you said. What are your thoughts on how to use advertising to grow the existing customers and to win new ones? I'd say that the the traditional kind of model is once you have acquired your customer, you've got them. Great. Brilliant. You can stop marketing to them. You've won. It's ended. Um, But let's say you've got customer A and they joined five years ago. um, They're an early adopter. They're kind of using your product as they would do from when they joined five years ago. Great. They're they're not going anywhere. They're happy. Nothing to worry about. And then you've got customer B and I just just spent some budget acquiring them they just signed up um, they have had the sales pitch from the sales team they know all about the new features and benefits of the product they're going to use it for everything that they need rather than just sort of the one thing that customer a used it for when they joined five years ago but basically what i'm saying is marketing should not stop when the customer is acquired uh, it should last the entire life cycle of the customer Um, and even more so I think when you think you're going to lose them they should be kind of treated in a bit of a different way Uh, so yeah I would like to think that we are constantly uh, interesting our existing clients so that they continue using the product and use it for more things than they thought that they could uh, and that they feel valued by us as, as we do by them. And with that, we get to our lightning round. So I'm going to throw some quick questions at you, and I just want you to respond without thinking too hard. Um, Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, number one, food or friends? 
Oh, I'm gonna have to say friends. <laughs> I do love food, obviously, but food and friends. Go, go with your gut. Go with your gut. And in this case, it's friends. That's fine. Uh, number two, logic or magic? Oh, always magic. Brand building or lead generation? Brand building for sure pays off long term. And what is the problem with B two B right now? Um, lack of creativity. We don't sell the end state. We kind of are too busy talking about the features and benefits of this particular product, which is only interesting to product managers, I would say, not the client. And how would Don Draper fix the problem? Um, Oh, he can sell you the dream for sure and your end state. uh, And then you, you fill in the blanks. And if you could tell all CEOs to read one book, what would that be? Okay, so this is a a bit of a rogue choice because it is not a marketing book and it's actually a fiction book. Uh, It's called The Power. It's by Naomi Alderman. Um, It is a really interesting exploration of power, like who has it, who wants it, who uses it well, who abuses it. I think it's a really good um, insight into human psychology. So I would definitely recommend everyone reads that. Great book, and I, I believe there's a TV series of it coming soon. So for those who can't be bothered to read the book, there's always that. Brilliant. And the final question today then, uh, what is your favourite Don Draper moment or quotation? So I think it's his uh, his carousel pitch where he's pitching them the nostalgia um, slides. And I love that because it, it really encaptures kind of what I want to do, sort of pitching people an emotional end state rather than, the kind of incremental day-to-day gains of what your product or service is offering. Brilliant. And Jazz Barry, all it leaves me to say is thanks for such a really interesting and uh, educational chat that's made me really hungry, to be honest. So thanks very much for being with us. (laughs) Thank you, Stuart. It's been great to be here. Thank you. I'm Stuart Black and see you all next time on B2B Needs Don Draper. (laughs) 